0: Uh, like they come the in the these... amount of people that I come across consistently talking about has, house hacking is almost as annoying as the amount of people who are talking about Bitcoin. Like, my God, you know, like, just stop reading these stupid ass articles. I get why house hacking sounds amazing. Oh, just right? the unrealistic expectations. It's just, like, it's just like, a lot of these people that are even talking about it, they're talking about what they did when they started 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like different markets, people. So the question is always the same. How do I get into real estate investing if I have no money? How do I find deals? How do I negotiate deals? How do I find contractors and manage rehabs? How do I get the money to even buy these houses, to hold these houses? How does a rental work? How do you manage a rental? How do you manage tenants? How do you borrow money? How do you borrow money with almost no interest? How are all these things done and how are they done the right way? Well, I am John Barbera, and this is an investor's journey where we share with you how to invest in real estate the right way, and how to get into it with no money, how to do this with real tactics that are working today in the market that we're in right now with things that we are personally doing. So welcome to the show. Different markets, house hacking right now, especially like in San Antonio, is not that easy to find. Oh, but yeah. I can find a duplex, live on one side, rent the other one, and they take care of the mortgage. I'm like, Okay, and what else are you asking Santa? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, where the hell are you getting this from? Like I get it, it's an idea.
1: Yeah, it's a, well it's also that they read articles online and they like they read books. Like I, I know you read like these uh the bigger pockets book or how you should invest in rental housing and it's like yeah. yeah, if you can find those things, great. But also you being a retail I'm gonna call them retail investors, mm-hmm. not Investors like we are, though it's like no, we're in this every single day. It's like us professional people that are in this every single day, all day, do this for a living. Like we're not going to let those opportunities go. We are going to capture those and take them on. Like why would I sell that thing to you for to make five grand when it's like I can buy that and turn that into fifty thousand in three years? Exactly. It's like I'm not. You're not going to let that go. To so like you as a retail investor, like you have to have realist, realistic expectations of what it is. And everybody wants like the like. Well, I got. Ten thousand dollars. I want to be able to house hack and like do all these things. Like, yes, you might be able to find that, but like, good luck, especially in this like insanely hot market right now. Or like, you're buying for the wrong reasons.
0: Well, house anything is possible, right? You can house hack. It's just, yeah, can you do this at a profitable scale? You know, because yes, you're going to house hack. Okay, maybe it took you however the hell long it's going to take you to find something that somewhat makes sense for it. And then, what? Like, okay, you have it, now what? When's the next one you're gonna be able to find? When's the next property you're gonna be able to buy? Like, you gotta be able to just move on from whatever shit you read, some article somewhere or anything. Or, one thing I, I try to stress a lot about is, you need to invest in the market that you live in, the way the market is, not the way you want it to be, right? Like, people are going places Wanting a market to be a certain way, and it's like that's not the market. But that still doesn't mean that there isn't deals out there. There still doesn't mean that you can't invest in real estate. It's just the market is different, you know. And you got to adjust that. But you come with that mentality of like, but uh, I heard I'm Bigger Pockets house hacking, and I
1: need to do that. It's like okay, well, go somewhere well, to house. Good luck. Hack, well, then you know? it's just that, like South Dakota, one hundred and fifty dollars a month cash flow. Like if you can find that for sure, and one, I wouldn't. Like, not suggest buying a house with only $150 in cash flow, um, for sure. Or, like, if you're doing it our, like just ba- on basic math of just saying, like, hey, what is my rent to what is my mortgage payment? Not property management, not CapEx, no, nothing else. Like, you shouldn't be buying anything that doesn't have at least $300 spread between what you can rent it for and what your mortgage payment is. $250, if it's a newer house, it's not going to have any maintenance aspect to it. But I, I can't find it very hard to believe that I can't find anything for $150, like, well, yeah, when you take out 10% in CapEx, you take out 10% for uh, property management, you take out 8% for vacancies, you take out all these other things that they say you should take out of your cash flow. It's like, yeah, you can. And at that rate, you sh- if you broke even or got $50 over all of those contingencies, you should be happy. But,
0: but And that's where I, I'm like, even 150 I told her, I was like, even 150 cash flow is not bad if you have insane contingencies. Because if you have insane contingencies, chances are you're never going to actually spend that money. So, in reality, you do have more cash flow. You're going to be making more money, right? Because that money is not being spent anywhere else. So, okay, you have 150, but you have these
1: insane contingencies. Look at that. It's like I said said the number of $300. Well, you think you rent for $1,500, you're going to take out 10% for uh, maintenance and 10% for property management. Well, there's $300 right there. And then you're saying, oh, 150 on top of that, $450 like, spread. like, Yeah, if that's the numbers you're running, it's going to be very hard for you to find a spread like that. Like, I, I find it very hard to do that. Like, some of our rental properties that we've owned for two, three years have now those spreads. But that's the thing about real estate. You have to buy, you have to hold, and you have to let appreciation kind of go up. And that's how you make your money. Well, and and you, eventually you can get to the point where it's like everyone wants to buy a house and immediately retire off the cash flow. And but you also
0: like, got to buy right. Because yeah. that's that's also the thing is like your CapEx, like your CapEx doesn't need to be 10% if you fully just renovated the whole house and you did all the major components and everything like that. You build a good cushion. Or if you bought the house and you have already a good cushion in case shit happens or you have a reserve of cash, then your CapEx doesn't need to be that high. You, you know, the chances that you're going to need a $10,000 repair in the first year on your house is because you did the due diligence very bad or- some act of God destroyed something in your home, right? Like it's just, it's an insane amount of money to spend. So yeah, you're, you're what you're budgeting. All these things are insane. They gotta be high or you're just not looking in the right areas. So the next question was from her was are areas to pick up rentals in San Antonio. So, you recently just uh, wrote an article that you're, you posted or are you are going to be posting I posted it yesterday you posted it to bigger pockets I uh, we'll be posting it to our website as well so you guys can check it out um, and it's all about how the San Antonio market looks where to buy you know where to invest so you want to talk a little bit about as far as that question goes where should she invest
1: for rentals like What did you see? I mean, for myself, uh, I'm always a big fan of like the northeast and northwest sides of San Antonio, just because of age of homes and the um, the population and the growth, and then the price to rents of what you can get. And I mean, I know there's some pockets on the south side, and I kind of did some research over there, but uh, it's still one of those like houses are older over there. So, talk about the age of home. Why why that is so important to us? Well, I mean, it's just like Okay. Look at it. Like people can understand, like you buy a car, you buy a brand new car, you're going to pay more money for it, but your first three years, you're not going to spend a whole lot of maintenance. And a lot of times there's warranties for so many years over that vehicle and stuff like that. So you pay a prior higher price, but your maintenance cost is less. Right. Well, Same thing kind of runs with, kind of goes with houses where if I buy a house only 10 years old, like, Hey, the AC is still probably in decent condition. The roof's probably still in decent condition. It's got current codes for electrical and plumbing, um, and framing. And like a lot of the stuff is still going to be good. You got a lot of life left in the house, but if you buy something from 1950, Mm -hmm. well, 1950s, they were using cast iron and concrete, uh, sewer lines still or those cast irons, they rust out and they, they deteriorate and they fall apart to where it's like, you could have a lot more maintenance that comes along with those things to where the insulation in the walls isn't as good anymore. And that's very expensive to update. You have no insulation in your attic. The ACs are older. The electrical is older. Like everything is older to where the the doors open and close a lot. The windows are a different style. Mm -hmm. They've been open and closed a hundred thousand times where it's like, they don't slide open as much. So your maintenance cost is going to be higher. So that's why it's like, I unless I can buy something in like in the 1950s, 60s, 70s that I can do a massive overhaul to to update a lot of those things, I I would probably steer clear of them and try to stay in like the 1980s and or 80s and 90s. Yeah, even then it's still like I want to see and check those conditions because I'll, everyone says they hate tenants and toilets. It's like. Well, yeah, it's because you tried to put Band-Aids on top of everything just to try to get eke out cash flow and stuff like that. And now your tenants constantly calling you saying like, hey, this thing doesn't work. That thing doesn't work. What about this thing is happening? These lights are going out. It's like, well, it's because an older house. I want to be able to go in, renovate, update all that stuff to where I don't have as many tenant problems. I don't have them contacting me as much about stupid little issues of like, hey, uh, I can't open the garage door. And it's like, well, what's wrong with the garage door? Like, I don't know. When when you look at it, it turns out like they've walled out the – trying to get that door to open and close. The normal latch that the deadbolt goes through, they've adjusted so many times and they've drilled the hole bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point now it's like it just doesn't even lock. It, it sounds like hold. a personal experience here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times – like it's yeah. happened on the, the house we're renovating right now. It's like yeah. uh, the front door is a nice front door, but like it's been – adjusted so many times because the foundation was trash and never fixed that there's just nothing left in the door jam to put the deadbolt into yeah. it's like it just like even though you lock the deadbolt the door just w- wiggles back and forth like an inch because it's literally hitting the trim that's holding the door in place like well we just got to replace this door now or like those older homes you're going to have a lot more issues like that yeah or like sticking to the newer houses is why i kind of like the northeast northwest because i can't see through walls i can't go through the ground and a lot of times those risks don't get priced into purchase prices because you have too many retail and the retail investors trying to buy and they're like well everything seems fine i'm gonna go ahead and buy this like did you just scope the plumbing well no well did you why not like well everything seemed to be working fine inside the house. Yeah, but Or, you, or like, even
0: worse, that they're like, Yeah, but it's five hundred dollars. You understand you're buying a house? Yeah.
1: Like five hundred
0: dollars is not it's it's much better to do right now and not buy the house than not do it and spend seven thousand dollars. Well, we had that the conversation
1: plumbing. with somebody, like they were proud of like slamming people into like uh, there's there's the wholesale groups we all know, I won't name them by name, but like they're almost proud to slam buyers into properties that are trash are crappy. They're like, I can't believe I got that person to buy it. Boom, win in my book. Like, but these people that are buying from those, like those, those wholesale shops, uh uh, like they're not the most, they're novice, they're completely newbies. They don't have a lot of cash. So if you're buying real estate, you can ruin somebody financially for five to 10 years getting into a bad house. Yeah. And where it's like, well, I just didn't have the $500. Like, well, you shouldn't be buying real estate if you can't do proper due diligence. Exactly. Oh, so, well,
0: and that, that's also a point that we've been criticized before. And I've mentioned this before, how they say, oh, well, you guys buy, you know, using flip numbers, you buy your rentals using flip numbers. Like, of course, it's going to be much more difficult. You should buy it using more rental numbers. Like, no, because we are actual investors and not speculators. So when we buy a property, we're using numbers that we need to use. It's not flip or rental. It's just the house needs a shit ton of work. Yeah. We're going to do it or we're not going to buy it because we know that if we don't do the work a year from now, two years from now, it's going to cost us any amount of cash flow we've made and then some yep. plus the
1: tenant Picks troubles. And I mean, uh, capital asset pricing model put in here is like if retail investing have or if retail investors have unrealistic expectations in house hacking, what are the realistic expectations for a rental investor who wishes to house hack a retail investor who wants to wishes to house hack? Um, realistic expectations are it's like the fact that somebody is able to cover your mortgage to so where or not cover your mortgage to be able to contribute to your mortgage where if you look at it saying like, hey, if I move out of this quote-unquote house hack, is it going to be a good rental property without me living in it? Or it's like, for example, it's saying like, hey, I buy a duplex and my mortgage payment is, let's say $1,400. And I can rent out the other side for 1000 and I can rent out my side for 1000 Well, that $1,000 still from the other side doesn't cover your mortgage payment. You still have to come out of pocket $400. Right. But if you were to move out of that duplex and now you can rent both sides for a thousand and your mortgage payments only sixteen hundred or fourteen hundred dollars, you now have a six hundred dollars spread in your cash flow. The problem was like uh, when I say the retail and the house hacking investors, like they want a duplex that they can move or quadplex they can move into, and the combined rents of the other unit pay for their mortgage in full, to where it's like okay, you're buying this duplex that it's for a thousand. The other side rents for a thousand dollars. You want a thousand dollar mortgage payment. Well. Now you're talking, you're having to buy a house for a duplex for like 130 grand. Like, I'm sorry, because now you're saying that like both sides come in for 1000 and your mortgage payments only 1000 bucks. Like, retail or your retail investors that are 1031 in cash from other places, they've scooped those things up and pushed prices so damn high that it's like you're not going to find those anymore. Or you got to go to very low C, D class neighborhoods to kind of find that stuff. And
0: that's the problem that like what you're saying that's the right way to buy a house you like we talk quote, about quote, even the house with, hacking with, aspect is like, any any aspect even when, when we talk about airbnb is that the you got to buy a house because it makes sense to buy that house period as an investment the fact that you're going to move into it or you're going to house hack it or whatever that's just an added bonus right because now your your rent is be, your mortgage is being covered you have a place you're spending half the mortgage that you would anywhere else and you have a place to live right but it still needs to make sense. The problem is that we're not finding multifamilies that l- make sense in areas that we would want to own any multifamilies. Yeah. Because the areas that would cash flow, the kind of tenant you're going to get, the headaches you're going to have with those tenants. Oh, and it comes
1: down to the, the, the type of housing. You're going yeah. to go to much older. Oh, yeah. They're like, CD like 20s areas. build, yeah, 30s like, build. You're dealing with like houses that weren't duplexed house like uh, hacked up into duplexes and yeah. triplexes and stuff like that where like you don't know what's behind those walls you don't know what type of plumbing they did like through the walls and you do not no sellers to let you rip open the walls to check all the plumbing and stuff like that and all the electrical and how that was done yeah or like it's just eh, i'm not